Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Wednesday show for week 21. That is March 8th of 2023. That's today's date. I'm your host, Karsten. Uh, unfortunately, we are not joined by our normal Wednesday co-host, Justin, today. Uh, Justin's in a pretty busy uh, part of his life at the moment. He's not only working full-time, but he's also going to school on the side. Uh, he's been doing that uh, this semester as well as last semester. I believe he did the same thing. Uh, and so he's got a pretty busy schedule. You know, he's not always free to be able to do the podcast, unfortunately, but we wish him the best as he uh, gets caught up on kind of the most important things in his life at this moment, which are totally understandable. And we're going to take care of the show uh, in his absence. We might be able to have him on tomorrow, depending on, you know, schedule getting freed up, but we'll have to see. So, uh, again, wish him the best. In the meantime, we'll go ahead and take care of the show for you. Uh, and let's start with summaries from last night's action. We had uh, eight games last night. <clears throat> Pretty interesting slate of action. Uh, hopefully I'm not missing something. I'll be honest, I didn't have a chance to really watch much of these games. Uh, so I'm just kind of doing the summaries on what I can. So hopefully I'm not missing any kind of significant plays or interesting plays that happened. Um, that being said, let's jump into that first game. The Washington Wizards win on the road in Detroit against the Pistons. I did see, and I'm aware that Daniel Gafford won this on a buzzer beater type play. Um, not sure if it was, uh, you know, him taking the shot if it was off a rebound what the exact situation was but props to him for being able to hit that type of a shot and uh, help win the game for the Wizards again they win that in Detroit against the Pistons 119 to 117 um, and this is a game that was back and forth 14 lead changes throughout very close anyone's game in the last few minutes but the Wizards come out on top uh, for the Pistons they were led by Jaden Ivey, the rookie, his 26 points and 12 assists. Solid game for him. They also got 21 points out of James Wiseman starting at center in place of uh, Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart, both of them still out with injuries. Uh, those two leading the charge for them. They had two guys with 15 points each, Marvin Bagley III and Eugene Omorui, um, and then 11 each for Corey Joseph and RJ Hampton. Uh, so, Solid performances from the Pistons, but the Wizards just a little bit better all around, a little bit better star power. Bradley Beal with 32 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, uh, 24 points for Porzingis, and 23 points for Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Gafford with 8 as well, of course, the game winner, and 16 off the bench for Corey Kispert as the Wizards beat the Detroit Pistons in Detroit. Next, the Milwaukee Bucks win in Orlando against the Magic, 134-123. to 123. Uh Without Giannis, they were still able to get the win, and that is their ninth straight road victory. So even though they had their recent winning streak snapped, uh, they're still uh, on a tremendous pace over their last, you know, 20-something games, nine straight on the road, as it mentioned, um, or as we mentioned, excuse me. For the Magic, uh, they had six guys in double-figure scoring, led by Cole Anthony's 23 points off the bench. Uh, they got 21 points from Franz Wagner, 20 from Paolo Bancaro. Uh, meanwhile, for the Bucks, it was Chris Middleton and Javon Carter with 24 points each. However, Brooke Lopez had 26. He led all scorers in this game. Bobby Portis added 16 points and 11 rebounds back in that starting lineup, filling in for Giannis. Uh, 15 off the bench for Jay Crowder, 12 off the bench for Joe Ingles as the Bucks get a nice win there to continue their strong momentum in recent weeks. Next, the Charlotte Hornets uh, ended up breaking the 
impressive New York Knicks win streak, and they did it in New York in the Garden, 112 to 105. Uh, the Knicks had won nine of their – they had won their last nine games, so they're nine and one in their last ten games off of that one. Um, for the Knicks, six guys with ten or more points, the leading scorer being R.J. Barrett this time with 27 points. Uh, they were without the services of Jalen Brunson this, in this game. Unfortunately, he's still he's been out the last couple of games with some nagging injuries. For the Hornets, though, they had three guys with 20 or more points, uh, the leading scorer being Kelly Oubre Jr., 27 points for him, 25 for Terry Rozier, 23 for Gordon Hayward and 13 for P.J. Washington as the Hornets get an impressive win in the Garden against the Knicks. Next, the Philadelphia 76ers won in Minnesota against the Timberwolves, despite the absence of James Harden, who was dealing with left foot soreness at the time. Uh, Sixers still win 117-94. to uh, Impressive win, especially against the Timberwolves team that had been playing pretty well in the last uh, couple of weeks. And... Uh, especially in the second half, the Sixers really ran away with this. It was pretty competitive through the first half, uh, but then the Sixers led by as much as 28 points in the second half to close this one out. For the Timberwolves, they were led by Anthony Edwards, uh, one of their, well, their lone all-star this season, 32.7 rebounds as they still await the return of Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, 13 off the bench for Torian Prince, 11 off the bench for Nas Reed. And then for the Sixers, 39 for Joel Embiid. 27 for Tyrese Maxey, uh, 10 points, 14 rebounds for Tobias Harris back in the lineup alongside P.J. Tucker, and uh, 11 points for De'Anthony Melton as well as the Sixers get that win. They continue to have uh, great success here post-All-Star break. Next, the Brooklyn Nets uh, get a very nice win in Houston against the Rockets, 118-96, to uh, and Mikhail Bridges continues his hot stretch. Rockets actually held the early lead, once the Nets took the lead, they never looked back. Uh, they never trailed again, and they won by uh, 22 points at the end of this one. That was also their largest lead. For the Rockets, it was Jalen Green leading the scoring charge, 25 points. Uh, one of seven from three is a bit tough, but still 25 points. 16 points, 12 rebounds for Alperen Shangun, 15 points for Jabari Smith Jr., uh, meanwhile, for the Nets, we mentioned Mikhail Bridges, 30 points for him, 23 points for Spencer Dinwiddie, 18 points and 13 rebounds with four blocks for Nick Claxton. He continues to be impressive for this Nets squad. Off the bench, Royce O'Neal, 11 points, 11 rebounds. Very impressive rebounding numbers for the uh, the diminutive, not diminutive, undersized forward. He's a touch undersized, but still plays very big. Uh, Seth Curry and Joe Harris combining. For 24 total, they had 12 each, uh, and the Brooklyn Nets get the win in Houston. Next, the Oklahoma City Thunder defend home court against the Golden State Warriors. They don't have another uh, Clay Thompson, you know, huge performance that he tends to have against the Thunder. Uh, they win this. The Thunder win it at home, 137 to 128, uh, despite a hot scoring game from Steph Curry, the recently returned Steph Curry. Um, Thunder held the biggest leads in this game. Warriors held leads a few points, but the Thunder controlled this one for the most part. For the Warriors, yes, Curry, 40 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds, 10 of 16 from 3-point range. Uh, looks like he's pretty well back from that injury. 23 for Klay Thompson, 21 for Jonathan Kaminga, 11 each for Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. Green also had 11 assists in this game. Meanwhile, for the Thunder, 
Shea Gilders Alexander, 33 points uh, for him. The rest of the starters all scored uh, in double figures. Josh Giddy added 17 assists with 11 rebounds, triple double for him. Very impressive numbers for the Aussie. Uh, 14 off the bench for Dario Sart and 11 for Usman Jiang uh, as the Thunder get that win. Uh, two more games. This one, another disappointing loss for the Utah Jazz. They lose in Dallas against the Mavericks, 120-116. to 116. Uh, Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving doing their job, uh, for lack of a better phrase, in Dallas. For the Jazz, Larry Markinen had another strong game, 33 points and six rebounds. He also had 21 points from Taylor Horton Tucker starting at that quote-unquote point guard type position. Meanwhile, for the Mavericks, Luka, 29 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. Kyrie, 33 points, eight assists, six rebounds. Uh, 24 off the bench for Tim Hardaway Jr. Seven of nine from three-point range for Tim Hardaway Jr. as the Mavericks get that win against the Jazz. And finally, the Los Angeles Lakers win at home against the Memphis Grizzlies, an impressive win. Uh, 112-103 to for the Lakers and Anthony Davis leading the charge. He's stepped back up in a big way, uh, especially in this game for the Lakers as they're looking to make a real push without the services of LeBron trying to get into the play-in and playoff type picture. For the Grizzlies, uh, Tyus Jones starting in place of John Morant. He had 16 points. The leading scorer for them was Jaron Jackson Jr. with 26 points. They had 11 points, 10 rebounds from Xavier Tillman, uh, 13 points for Dylan Brooks. Meanwhile, for the Lakers, Anthony Davis, 30 points, 22 rebounds, and two blocks. Very impressive numbers for him, really leading the charge for the Lakers. And then they had 17 points each for three different players. Dennis Schroeder, the starter, the starting point guard. And then two guys off the bench, Roy Hachimura and Austin Reeves. All three of those players had 17 points each. 13 points for Troy Brown Jr. And they get a very impressive win against the Memphis Grizzlies. And that takes care of our summaries from last night's action. Uh, definitely some games that will factor into our discussion that we'll have a little bit later in this episode about the playoff picture and uh, things of that nature. But that takes care of our game summaries. Let's jump to the key news. Uh, a few items today. Firstly, some updates on the John Morant story that we really uh, covered in detail on Monday. Uh, and it's been you know much of the talk around the NBA as a whole. Uh, firstly, he's going to miss at least the next four games as part of his continued absence from the team. Um, not really a, sus- a suspension, at least not officially, but more um, they want him to take some time away and hopefully focus on uh, some positive changes and you know moving things in the right direction as far as um, moving away from the events that led to this whole kind of media uh, news situation. Um, additionally, it looks like the Colorado Police Department investigation related to that incident, the Instagram Live, uh, he won't face any criminal charges related to anything that happened with that live stream, which uh, which makes sense in the sense that uh, there really wasn't a ton of evidence from that video alone as far as, you know, he's in a club and he, he has a gun. Uh, I'm not sure the specifics as far as uh, concealed carry permits, <laughs> all those types of things in, in Colorado specifically, uh, you know, gun registered, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of details we're not privy to, but uh, ultimately that won't, there won't be any criminal charges, but there's still probably some pending uh, updates as far as an, any action the NBA or the Grizzlies might take uh, more, on a more official note. So we'll have to stay tuned to that, but no criminal charges for John Moran at this time. Um, 
for the Mavericks, uh, well, next we have a couple injury news uh, items, firstly for the Mavericks. We mentioned Luke had a great game in their last game, but it looks like he might have had an injury or aggravated an injury in that game. Uh, he's going to be getting an MRI tomorrow, Thursday, uh, on that on a left thigh strain. Uh, apparently, uh, he was doing the he was doing you know press conference, media relations uh, things, and uh, reporters noted that he looked to be favoring uh, a certain leg. He commented that the injury uh, was bothering him in some some manner so they're gonna do an mri on that definitely tough news for the mavericks at this time as they're trying to make that push along with many others for good positioning in the west uh similarly tough news for another western conference hopeful the new orleans pelicans zion williamson will miss at least two more weeks uh with that injury that has kept him out for uh probably going on a month and a half two months at this point uh devastating news for them uh he they were flying high um if we want to overstate it, when they had him in the lineup, they were one of the top teams in the West since he's been out. And they, around the same time, had lost Brandon Ingram for a few weeks. They have really uh, fallen on hard times. They still have a, a solid team, but they're missing some key players. They're trying to figure it out. And uh, that's definitely tough news as we get into the all-star, not the all-star, the uh, playoff push for all of these teams. Um, legal, you know, we, we mentioned, of course, John Morant not going to have any kind of criminal issues, criminal charges for, for that story. But we have we have some criminal charges for a former NBA All-Star, Sean Kemp. Uh, he uh, reportedly has been booked on a felony drive-by shooting charge uh, in the state of Washington. I just, this is just tough news. I mean, Sean Kemp has always been one of my favorite players. Uh, he had kind of a a tough end to his career as far as it seemed seemingly let him letting himself go uh, physically kind of went out on a whimper rather than ending on a, a high note. still being productive ending his career on kind of his terms and then post playing career. It's been, it's been interesting. You know, I'm sure he's had some, some moments where, you know, fan interactions have been good and you know, things of that nature, but to have something like this on your, um, as part of your life post playing career is just sad. It's not what anyone wants to see. Um, and just horrible to hear about. So bad news there. Um, not sure the extent of what that kind of charge will look like jail time, any sort of those, any of those kind of things, but just definitely uh, tough news to hear uh, on a positive note, some news out of Indiana. That's uh, it's nice to hear about. Uh, of course we mentioned um not too long ago, probably just uh, a few weeks ago, within the last few weeks, uh, the passing of longtime Pacers PR man uh, David Benner. Uh, the NBA has decided to posthumously award uh, David Benner with the NBA's Splaver McHugh Award. Uh, and this is an award that honors uh, a member of the NBA family, specifically a PR uh person public public relations uh worker who has provided outstanding performance and service uh to their franchise to the nba as a whole uh so he is a longtime member of the pacers family a well-regarded guy uh around the nba so definitely well deserving and that's a great gesture uh on his behalf after he's passed uh, to be able to award him that way that's that's some good news to hear and lastly, we have one minor transaction to note. The New York Knicks have signed center Moses Brown to a two-way contract. 
Uh, Brown has had some interesting potential. He's seven two, ultra tall, good size, has shown some flashes of some potential, but hasn't had much of a chance. And when he's had the chance, he hasn't been ultra stellar. He hasn't been, you know, a guy that immediately you've got to give, you know, more opportunities to. So uh, maybe he'll be something for New York. Uh, maybe it's just another kind of uh, opportunity, short-term opportunity, but we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, otherwise, that takes care of our uh, key news for today's show. We'll go ahead and move on to the main segment of today's show. We mentioned that we would be focusing on the playoff picture. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't have a ton of written down main things I want to focus on. We're just going to kind of look through the standings, see where things are at, talk about expectations as we get towards the end of the season, uh, as we're in the last quarter of the season. Uh, we'll start with the East, of course. Bucks are number one. Celtics are number two at the current moment. Those would be your teams that have um, matchups with your play-in tournament winners. Um, so they would be in your best position first round. <clears throat> Three through six would be your, you know, locked in for sure first round matchups, uh, not counting the play in tournament. Right now, three is Sixers, four is the Cavs, five is the Knicks, and six is the Brooklyn Nets. Um, so at this point, if the season ended today, it would be Sixers versus Nets, three and six, and then the four and five matchup would be Cavs and Knicks. Then your play in tournament looks like this. Seven is the Heat, eight is the Hawks, nine is the Raptors, and ten is the Wizards. Uh, Wizards have a game-and-a-half lead on the next team, the Chicago Bulls. So there's a bit of separation there. Based on how those teams have played, I would be fairly confident in saying the Wizards are probably going to maintain that cutoff spot. Them or the Raptors will be probably that last you know nine or ten team. And these teams are probably – pretty close to what that play in tournament will look like. Maybe the heat can put some wins together and outpace the nets and the nets fall into the play in tournament. But if it ended today, again, the tournament would be the Miami heat playing the uh, Washington. No, sorry. The Miami heat playing the Atlanta Hawks. And then the Raptors playing the wizards, the winner of the heat and the Hawks would get that seventh seed. And the winner of the Raptors and the wizards would play the loser of the Heat and the Hawks to see who could get that eighth spot. Uh, so get, looking at it now, I would think if that was the matchups, the Heat would be able to beat the Wizards. They would then earn that seventh seed and play the Celtics in the first round, which would be a very heated, very exciting first round series based on the conference finals last year. And then the Wizards, uh, excuse me, the I think the Wizards could upset the Raptors and then maybe even upset the Hawks. The Wizards could be that 10th seed team. You think of last year's Pelicans. They could be a team that jumps up to an 8th seed because um, they've had they've shown that potential that with some of those players. Beal, Kuzma, Porzingis. If they can get in a rhythm, they have their moments. They could maybe slip in and be that first-round team for the Bucs. Um, that could be interesting. I think if you're the Hawks and the Raptors, you need to definitely look out for the Wizards. I'm not totally buying the Raptors as far as sustained play and success this season. And that's not to discount any of their players. I think they've got some great players, you know, Siakam and Van Vliet, of course, former all-stars, uh, Siakam, an all-star this year, you know, they've got all-star talent. They've got a former rookie of the year in uh, Scotty Barnes. They've got Pirtle who's played very well for them in his return 
So they've got the pieces. They Their depth is here and there. It's good and good in parts, man, others. I think I would take the Raptors over the Hawks, but I would almost even take the Wizards over the Raptors. And so that's kind of what leads me into my, my thinking of, hey, look out for the Wizards as far as a play-in upset, finding their way into that eighth seed. Um, Wizards against the Bucks. that's, you know, I think the Bucks would have a pretty good chance of winning that five games, six games, you know, not too much of a challenge as far as moving on to that second round. If that's the way it plays out, you've got Heat, maybe Wizards upset, finding that eighth spot. Regardless of who gets in that eighth spot, I think the Bucks are pretty solid. I don't see them as a team that's really going to give up, um, you know, a first round series like that. So you'd have Bucks moving on to the second round. If it was Celtics Heat, that would be very interesting. And I know the Heat have had their struggles, but you you think about the Celtics struggling a little bit lately, and that rematch of last year's conference finals. There could be a lot of intrigue there. I would still probably take the Celtics to win that, but it would be a lot closer, a lot more exciting than maybe that first and eight seed matchup. But you still have, let's say, Bucks Celtics going the second round. Then you have Sixers versus Nets at the moment, Cavs versus Knicks. Um, I could see the Knicks, you know, riding, not riding the wrong, but uh, doing the reverse of what happened uh, a couple of years back when Trey Young beat them in the in the first round you know them being an maybe the fifth seed to the Cavs four seed and the Knicks being the upset type team in that scenario I can see that happening just as far as Cavs with some younger talent I mean Mitchell has playoff experience so does Julius Randle so it could be a toss-up but um maybe I'm just high on the Knicks but I feel like they could maybe upset that kind of a Cavs team either way I think uh, you know, Sixers would beat the Nets. I'm I'm pretty confident. Then you would have Sixers versus uh, it would be Sixers Celtics at that point, which would be very interesting. Uh, classic Eastern Conference matchup. Then it would be Bucks versus either Cavs or Knicks. Either way, I would still say the Bucks have a pretty good shot to make it to that conference finals. And then is it Celtics or Sixers that meet them there? That's the real intrigue, and that's probably the the big kind of crux of it when it comes down to the Eastern Conference. And if we wanted to summarize the playoff picture at the moment and kind of what we're looking at, I'm intrigued by the play-in tournament 8 through 10. As it stands now, I think Heat have a good shot to make it as that seventh seed. But I would be intrigued to see who could upset in that eighth seed chase in the play-in tournament. And then along with that, I think the Bucks have a pretty clear road at this moment to that conference finals, but who they play and who they meet in the conference finals is a real interesting question. Is it Celtics, is it the Sixers, or is it some other team like the Cavs, maybe even the Knicks, that plays a bit of a surprise upset role and finds their way into that, uh, that kind of a picture? I guess in the current uh, – way it's structured it couldn't be the Cavs because they'd have to upset the Bucks to go to the conference finals but based on the seeding how that changes I think the Bucks hold on to the one seed at this moment um Cavs maybe move and maybe they're a team that can go to that conference finals but but that's a real intrigue for me in the east as far as teams making a push to make the the play if play in and playoffs Pacers are interesting the Bulls I feel like it's a little too little 
not not too little too late, but they've just struggled all year. And they've got their best talent. They've got DeRozan. They've got Zach Levine. Of course, still without Lonzo Ball. They have a decent replacement for the moment as far as Patrick Beverly continuing that defensive edge. Vucevic has played great, but that team for whatever reason, just isn't winning enough to make that push. I think Pacers could be a team to watch out for as far as moving past the Bulls and maybe even looking into that play-in type picture. But the Wizards are still surprisingly potent, so that's kind of the East. Let's jump to the West. Um, I'll give you the rundown of where things stand right now. The Nuggets are number one. Kings are currently two. Uh, same record as the Memphis Grizzlies, but it looks like the Kings have the tiebreaker at that moment. So the Kings have moved up as far as number two in the West. So Nuggets, Kings, Grizzlies at three, Phoenix Suns in four, just a few games behind the Grizzlies. Then it's the Golden State Warriors, the Minnesota Timberwolves. That rounds out your top six. Then you get into your play-in conversation. You have the Dallas Mavericks, the LA Clippers, the Los Angeles Lakers have slid up to number nine and the New Orleans Pelicans at number 10. All of those teams, seven through 10, actually six through 10, are within a game and a half of each other. Minnesota through the Clippers, six through eight, are all tied, same record overall. Lakers and Pelicans are tied, same record overall. Thunder just a half game behind. Trailblazers just a game behind. So the West is super interesting, and it's been interesting all year. But I think... There's a lot more uh, uncertainty as far as especially that play-in type picture. Let's start with some of the easy stuff. I think, you know, Nuggets are have a good lock on that first spot. I don't see them really shifting from that. So they should be your number one seed. Number two, with the Grizzlies sliding lately, and especially considering they'll be without John Morant for at least the next few games, I think that's going to set the tone for the end of the season. And it's unfortunate, but I think the Grizzlies – are probably going to stay at your third seed, maybe even fall to four if the Suns are going to be as amazing as they were those first few games with Durant. So you look at the Grizzlies as maybe your four seed, Suns as a three, maybe a two, but the Kings have been steady and they've been getting better as the season's gone on. So that's close, but the Suns have a ton of star power um, there's maybe a small bit of concern as far as uh, Durant, uh, Durant's health. There's a minor injury it looks like that he's had uh, with tonight's game. We'll have some more updates on that tomorrow. But <clears throat> on the whole, I'd say the Suns stand a pretty good chance moving into that number two spot. Even though they're four right now and there's not too much time left, uh, I don't know. I don't want to bet against the Kings. They're, they've been – living off of you know upending people's expectations all year so let's let's keep them there nuggets one kings two suns three grizzlies four warriors are improving i don't think they've got their rhythm together quite enough to upset the grizzlies and move past them so we're going to keep the warriors at five as a pretty solid five then six through 11 and 12 is where it really gets interesting. So first through five, we have a pretty decent picture of as far as what I think it'll look like. Then six through 12, any number of things could happen. There's a world where the, you know, 
end of the season goes a certain way, the Trailblazers move all the way up to that sixth spot. Is it likely? Probably not, but there's a world where that happens. Heck, even 13, the Jazz are tied with the Trailblazers. I forgot to mention that. So Spurs and Rockets are out, of course, but 13 through 6 is up in the air. Two and a half games separate 6 and 13. So who do I see being the sixth spot and the four play-in teams? Well, I think Timberwolves have been better. They've been good more often than not good in the sense of they're not ultra consistent. None of these teams are very consistent, but they're more consistent than some of the others. They've really had some nice moments lately from Anthony Edwards. There's a potential return of Carl Anthony Towns. Gobert's a touch more acclimated. I'd say Timberwolves are a good bet to be in that group of five, your six through ten spot. Mavericks should be there. Even if Luka has some injury concerns, Luka and Kyrie can win enough games. Even if the team's still figuring it out, they should be in that mix. Clippers should be there too. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, the team, when they all play, and especially if they're locked into getting that spot, focused on that, not worried about the rest games as much. Those teams should all be pretty good to be in. So then that leaves a couple spots for Lakers through Jazz. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll root for the Lakers in this case in the sense that Anthony Davis has played the best basketball I've seen him play in the last couple of years. And we forget how incredible of a talent he is. I like him playing there, and especially if they're able to get LeBron back somewhat soon, you know, within the next few weeks going into the playoffs. They're a pretty safe bet. And then I think the Pelicans are probably going to slide a bit more. And I I don't like that. I liked the idea of the Pelicans being that next up team. Their coach, Willie Green, has been doing a great job there. He's just been without his best players. And it's tough for even the best coaches to, to make that work all the time. And so I think they're the team you look for to fall out of the play-in picture and to be replaced by one of three teams, the Thunder, the Trailblazers, and the Jazz. And as much as I'd like to say the Jazz have the best chance at that, um, the way they've played lately and the injury troubles, I don't think they are. I think they probably finish outside the play-in picture, and you're looking at the Thunder moving into that spot. Shea Gilders Alexander is a first-time All-Star. Josh Giddey's played well, and they've got – a lot of young talent that has played very well as a team and they've had some exciting moments. They're on a three game win streak. I think the Thunder probably replaced the Pelicans in that play in picture. Now, where, where does the seating all fall in at that point? Well, I think, um, I think Lakers probably fall to 10 and the Thunder maybe move up to nine. If I just had to throw it, you know, my initial thoughts out there. Uh, so you have Lakers 10, Thunder nine, um, Let's say Mavericks 8, Mavericks 8, Clippers 7, Timberwolves 6. Again, this is very subject to change, but this is just my initial thoughts as far as what this, what could happen. So let's run, run through it again. First through 6, you're locked in playoff teams. Nuggets, Kings, Suns at 3, 
my anticipation of how this works out. Grizzlies four, Warriors five, Timberwolves six. Then your playoff, your play-in spots, excuse me, Clippers seven, Mavericks eight, Thunder nine, and Lakers ten. If that's the case, we're just getting to a point where we think the playoffs and play-in picture could be. How it plays out, um, you have Clippers, Mavericks. Um, I like Luka to upset the Clippers based on what he's able to do in last year's playoffs and the history of that uh, matchup. Clippers have won it more often, and that's why I take the Mavericks to be that team that you know upsets the Clippers in a sense, a very small sense. So Mavericks move back into the seventh seed. Lakers beat the Thunder just based on either Anthony Davis and or LeBron James willing them to do so. So then you have Clippers-Lakers battling for that eighth spot. And um, out of those two, I'd probably say the Clippers win that one. Despite, you know, my advocacy for Anthony Davis and LeBron with the Lakers, uh, Clippers have just been a little bit better this season, and they've got a little bit better depth, I think. So probably Clippers find that eighth spot. So then we're back to what the standings are right now, with the exception of the Suns swapping with Grizzlies. Uh, <clears throat> and the Clippers have the eighth seed in the playoffs. Mavericks have the seventh seed in the playoffs. We get into that playoff picture. I think the Nuggets should beat the Clippers first round. If that doesn't happen, they've got some serious issues. Uh, Kings, Mavericks, second round or, or first round would be a very exciting matchup, similar to Celtics Heat. Um I think the Kings, despite this being their first playoffs in nearly 20 years, I think the Kings stand a good chance to win that series. So I'd have the Nuggets and the Kings moving on to the second round. Then you have Suns-Timberwolves. Suns should win that series against the Timberwolves and move on to the second round as well. And then finally, Grizzlies-Warriors. It all depends on Jaw. If Jaw is back and there's no further issues, uh, I think the Grizzlies could beat the Warriors in that series. Um, But you know what? Um, Despite, well, based on those concerns and based on never underestimate the heart of a champion, a classic uh, Rudy T line, I'll take the Warriors in that matchup. They move to the second round. So then it's Warriors, Nuggets, Kings, Suns. And those would be two fantastic second round series. Um, I really think this Nuggets team is a little bit different than we've seen in the past. Um, Their consistency, Jokic has even elevated his play. His standard is already so high. He's elevated that even just a touch more. Murray's back. Aaron Gordon's playing great. I think the Nuggets could beat the Warriors in that second round series and they can move to the conference finals. So then it's Kings Suns. If it's Kings Suns, Suns are at full health. You got to bet on the Suns. Uh, you know, would love to see the Kings go super deep in the playoffs, but probably the Suns in that case. So then it's Nuggets Suns conference finals. And, uh, you know, anything goes in that series. I think that would be a fantastic series to watch. Um, so that's it took me a while. That's my thoughts, really intricate thoughts on the West because it is very complicated. With the East, it's a lot more straightforward. Things are much closer to probably how they'll finish out. And the questions are, 
that bottom of the play-in and some potential upsets there. And then who faces the Bucks in the conference finals? Because I think that's the at least one of the teams for sure. But then the West, 6 through 13 being so close, really makes this a wild finish. And I talked about what I think could happen. It could be very close to that. It could be a world of difference from that. And that's what makes this wrap-up to the season so very interesting. Every game is helping determine some part of this. That top end, though, Nuggets should go deep in the playoffs. Kings should be potent, but maybe not go as far. And the Suns, if they have their star power, should go deep as well. And that's really as much as I can give you as far as concrete play-in preview type stuff, what it's looking like. Those are the teams that are good and dependable at this point for me. And then the other teams are questions. There's question marks. And we, we're not sure 6 through 13 who's going to find up, uh, wind up filling those spots, excuse me. So that's hopefully – this is the first time we've really focused that deep as far as playoff preview. But we're going to do this, of course, the next few weeks as the season gets closer and closer to wrapping up. Within the next couple of weeks, we should start getting some teams clinching playoff spots. Um, so that will be interesting. We'll have some teams that are – that get locked in as being eliminated from the playoffs. Um, and at that point, we'll have a little bit more clear picture for you. Um, but that's hopefully a little bit of a preview uh, as we get closer to that point in the season. Um, before we get things wrapped up, we'll quickly do a weekly prediction for you. Uh, normally, it's me and Justin that give you each our own prediction. But today, again, I'll just give you my prediction. And this one's fairly tame. I was looking back through some of the predictions I've made Um Already, some of them are looking pretty poor. So I thought I'd go with something that's not too outlandish. Maybe it is, but I think it's um, I think it's a pretty safe bet. So here's my prediction. Despite not being an all-star this season, Jalen Brunson will make an all-NBA team at the end of the season. Um, you know, I was surprised he wasn't an all-star, and I think especially with the run the Knicks have had post-all-star break and how stellar he has been, and especially thinking about the guard position, of course we think of Steph Curry as the best point guard in the NBA, but he's missed a ton of time with injury, and the Warriors haven't been as stellar. You know, Lillard's been phenomenal. Booker's been good, but he's missed time as well. This John Morant thing has caused that to be all kinds of cloudy. De'Aaron Fox is good, but you compare him to Jalen Brunson, I'd say Brunson individually has maybe been a touch better. And so I think there's a good chance that Jalen Brunson could be an all NBA type guy uh, at the end of the season. So, so that's my prediction for you again, not too crazy, but um, again, just my feelings as far as we get, uh, as far as getting to the end of the season uh, predictions that I think should happen. But uh, that being said, let's go ahead and give you our, this day in history fact uh, going back to 2008, March 8th of 2008, Atlanta defeats the Miami Heat in the first NBA quote-unquote do-over game in a quarter century. Uh, so here's the backstory. On December 19th of 2007, Atlanta's scorer mistakenly fouled out Miami's Shaquille O'Neal with 51.9 seconds left in overtime and the Hawks leading the game 114-111. to 111. Miami appealed the game to the league office and the league ordered the end of the game to be replayed. 
the game ends in anticlimactic fashion as neither team scores. Despite having only five fouls, Shaq does not play in the redo, having been traded in the interim to the Phoenix Suns. A longer fact for you, but a very unique footnote in NBA history, especially something like that having uh, having happened as recently as uh, 14 years ago, 15 years ago. So, um, anyways, that takes care of our This Day in History fact, and that takes care of our show for you today. Uh, we want to thank you again for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you want to check out the Instagram page, that's crossover across time, all one word on Instagram. Uh, and we post content from the show, but we also post content from across the NBA. So you can stay updated there along with the podcast gives you a little more in-depth uh, breakdown of action. But tomorrow's show, we might have Justin again, just depending on his schedule. But tomorrow's show, we'll have uh, game summaries from tonight's action the latest news, and then we'll do our franchise focus, our latest franchise focus, this time talking about the Indiana Pacers. Uh, With that, thanks again, and we'll be back with you on tomorrow's show.